Happy Fourth of July. This is Independence Day weekend, which is the celebration of the adoption of the Declaration of Independence by the original American colonies in 1776. Mark, do I have that right? So uh, it's, that was the rejection of what was believed to be unjust rule by Great Britain. In almost every country on this planet, people celebrate a national holiday, either for independence or revolution or unification. There are only two countries on the planet that do not celebrate as a public holiday a national day. Do you know what they are? Well, Wikipedia does. Great Britain and Denmark. Denmark has a national day, but it's not a national holiday. So wherever you live on the planet, whether it's a great nation or a really lousy nation, if you're a person of faith, it's an opportunity to try to reflect positively about the goodness and the badness of the country in which I live. I invite you to really do that this week, strictly based on these readings, because I think that God can shed some really positive light in our minds and our hearts and through us for hopefully making this always a better country. And the way that I invite you to remember my brilliant thoughts today, the last line of what we sing in the national anthem, oh, say does that Star Spangled Banner still wave, or the land of the free and the home of the brave. The land of the free and the home of the brave. Many people who have lived in this country have believed that it is a free and brave country. Many people have hoped that this will grow as the land of the free and the home of the brave. To state the obvious, in the almost first century of this country's existence, we had slavery, the most grotesque injustice in which people were literally enslaved. This has never been anywhere nearly the land of the free and the home of the brave, but the possibility that it can grow as the land of the free and the home of the brave always has been here, and it still is. So directly from these readings, which you can open up your Bibles from the bulletin, it's got the passages cited, or click on our social media to reread and reflect on these passages this week. The details are different, but there's this constant theme that I'm going to hammer at you, and the details do matter. I invite you to consider, are any of the details in these three readings comparable to what you're experiencing as someone who lives in the United States of America in 2021? First reading is from the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a, pro wait, a prophet, to be sure we're on the same page, is a person who hears God's word and speaks God's word to the world. Any time or place, that's what a prophet is. Ezekiel is a prophet to the people of Israel six centuries before Christ. It is a terrible time for the people of Israel, our spiritual ancestors. By their own later accounting, they have fallen away from God. They've received God's truth about how they should live, and they have chosen to reject living God's truth. As a result, they've become a weak nation. They've disintegrated. They're not one with God and one another the way they once were. They've become vulnerable to their enemies. I think you know this. At this stage of their history, they've been invaded by the Babylonians, and they've been absolutely defeated. Many, much of the population of Israel is now in exile in Babylonia. So in the passage we just heard, there's an insight into the way God invites a person to be a prophet. Ezekiel says, God has come to me and spoken to me 
and God has placed God's spirit in a new way within me. God has set me up, and God has told me, you go and speak my truth to these people, your people, the people of Israel. They are hard of face and obstinate of heart. They just haven't, they haven't just gone astray. They like going astray. They like their sin. They're a rebellious people. So whether they accept you or they reject you, and clearly they're going to reject him, they will know that a prophet has been in their midst. If you live as my prophet, they will know a prophet has been in their midst. It's kind of cold comfort. God doesn't say they're going to know right away. It might be centuries later. But this is the way Ezekiel is set up. He makes the choice to do it. He actually goes and lives as God's prophet. He speaks God's truth to his fellow citizens. He, as a result, experiences true freedom. Freedom, on a base level, is my ability to do what I want to do. Freedom, on a much deeper level, is my doing what God wants me to do. True freedom is when any one of us chooses to do what God teaches us we should do. Despite the rebellion and the hard-hearted, hard-faced and obstinate-heartedness of his people, Ezekiel does what God tells him to do. He lives as God's prophet. He experiences true freedom. And obviously, he's brave. He musters the courage and lives the courage of speaking God's truth to people who often reject God's truth. He's truly free. He's truly brave. Example number two. In the gospel passage we just heard from Mark 6, Jesus, the Son of God, returns to his hometown of Nazareth. He goes into the temple on the Sabbath day, and he begins to teach. The people in the synagogue are the people who theoretically know him the best, members of his family, people with whom he's grown up. These people hear what Jesus teaches, and they say at first, they're, it's, they're amazed. They're amazed at his wisdom. Where did he get this wisdom? How, where, what are these mighty deeds that he's doing? And then at the very same moment, the very same people say, and I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing, that's not even a word, it's a Danish word, paraphrasing, they say, we know this guy. We know this guy's family. He's from a working class family. His family members are right here. They end up taking offense at what he says. Jesus does not fit into the parameters of what they expect from him. He shouldn't because he's much more than they think he is. But because they can't accept him as they expect to accept him, they reject Jesus. It really matters. The scripture writer says he's amazed at their lack of faith, their lack of openness, their lack of response to him. He's doing nothing but giving them love and life. And he's unable to perform any mighty deed there because they say no, other than healing a few people on whom he lays his hands. What does Jesus choose to do when the people who are supposed to be closest to him reject him? He speaks the truth. He is the ultimate prophet. He says directly to them, a prophet is not without welcome, honor, except in his native place and among his own kin and in his own house. He makes the choice to speak the truth. It cannot, he's a fully human being. It cannot be easy for Jesus to be rejected by his neighbors and his family, but he does what God the Father wants him to do. He speaks the truth that God wants those people to hear. 
true freedom and true bravery. It takes bravery to speak the truth to people who reject it. Third and final example, to hammer this, in the second reading, St. Paul is the first generation of Christian prophets. His entire mission is to be out in the world telling people about Jesus and his teaching. He says that he has revelations from God through which he experiences elation, personally, spiritually. He also has a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan. He doesn't describe who or what this is, but that expression, a thorn in the flesh, in the Old Testament frequently refers to an enemy, an opponent. So perhaps it's just a person who really, really persecutes him. He asks God three times to take away this thorn in the flesh. There's nothing good about an angel of Satan. And God's response is, God is not going to take it away. God is not going to miraculously intervene and remove all the difficulties of his life. God gives him the insight that my power, God's power, is made perfect in weakness. You are weak, St. Paul, but if you continue to serve as my prophet, if you speak my truth with this terrible opposition you're suffering, my power will grow through your weakness. And he ends up doing it. He continues to live as God's prophet. And he says that he now boasts of his weakness because when I'm weak, I'm powerful through God working through me. He continues to speak the truth that God has given him, true freedom, true bravery to do that in the face of opposition he's begging God to take away. So please consider those details this week. You and I have been given the ultimate blessing. We have been blessed to encounter Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of the world. He is the way through life to eternal life. You and I have been blessed to basically understand that all he tells us to do is get out in this world and speak his truth in word and in action. That's all he's looking for. We have been given the blessing of receiving his teaching 24-7 through the church, through the scripture. You and I have all we need. If you can relate to a nation that has significantly turned away from God, is hard of face and obstinate of heart in loving what's evil, it's terrible, but it's been going on for generation after generation. If you can relate to people whom you know, who are supposed to be close to you, in your own home, who reject you when you just speak the truth of Jesus Christ, that's lousy, but it happened to him. Why would you think it's not going to happen to you? If you can relate to a person who has a thorn in his flesh, who's persecuted, who's persecuted for just trying to speak the truth, welcome to the club. It's been part of the reality from the beginning home of the free, land of the free, and home of the brave, never has it been, and it also is. No and yes from the beginning of this country. I do not have any idea where this country is going to end up, and neither does any of you. I have no idea if we are going down the toilet, and you do not know either. I control very little, and you control as little as I do but I can live as a prophet. I can speak 
in word and deed the truth of Jesus Christ, and so can you. I can be free. I can be brave, and so can you.